Hey, Mike. Hi, Caleb. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. It has been a whole year. And what a year it's been. It has been. We've uh, seen a lot of things, haven't we? We've seen a lot, and uh, we get to commemorate our anniversary with me seeing a Model 3 in person. Oh, you're jumping ahead. Sorry, but... What are you drinking tonight? I am drinking some Cabernet Sauvignon from the wonderful purveyor Whole Foods. You may have heard of them. (laughs) This is like the third time you've done that. It's a, it's a wonderful anniversary trend. I thought I could drink wine on our anniversary. I thought classy. you'd have something special special on our uh, anniversary. I know. I, th- I thought so as well. And I do have five limes for $2, but I, I just I ran out of time. We had, to, we had to start. The show must go on. <laughs> All right. What are you drinking? Uh, tonight, I am drinking something called a Dewey D. Uh, I I got myself a bottle of sherry while I was out running around today, and uh, so now I've unlocked uh, sherry cocktails. So this one's uh, some rye whiskey, some sherry, and some Aperol. How Fraser Crane of you. It is is very Fraser, isn't it? (laughs) I don't have a Niles, though. I guess my dog is my Niles right now. Yeah, that's probably the closest thing. So... uh... All right. So yeah, anniversary and uh, the, the, the whole reason for the season here for our podcast is, yeah. is, is the Model 3 and you have been within feet of a Model 3. Mere inches of all the right, Model tell, 3. Tell me all about this. All right. So as you probably know, uh, Mike and the listeners may know that uh, for the past two weekends, uh, I have driven over to the Palo Alto tesla headquarters uh on the weekend we we should specify too that you live like a couple miles away so it's not like you're making some sort of odyssey to go over there yeah there is no uh homeric odyssey happening Um, you can conceivably like work it into your errands that you're running on the weekends that's what we did yeah so we decided to just go to a safeway grocery store a little bit out of our way to go that way so did you go to the los altos one where the where the tesla video started it's amazing that one is really nice uh (laughs) anyways we um yeah, so two week two weekends ago went over. Nothing was testing yet. It had after Elon had tweeted out about the black uh, release candidate. So I was like, okay, maybe they'll be starting to test it on the weekends. So I went on a Saturday and, and waited there for fifteen or twenty minutes and no saw no Model Three. Okay, last weekend I went and also no Model Three, but very busy parking lot, like seventy five percent full parking lot. Lots of Teslas, lots of other cars. Very busy. Well- Lots of people working over the weekends. People definitely working at Tesla headquarters. So then yesterday we are going over to Tesla and it's a bright sunny day after it had been raining. So really nice weather out. So in preparation, we had, we had gotten, gotten prepped down pretty well. So we were driving, I was driving, we had our windows down so that if we were to spot it, we wouldn't have glass in the way. Wow. Yeah, so so we were prepared there. This is some paparazzi level preparations. This is Try, impressive. Really trying. Uh, we used my phone, which is the iPhone Seven, instead of uh, my girlfriend's six six iPhone Six, so we'd have a better camera. Uh, and then I taught her how to use the burst mode. She hadn't used that before. So, you taught her how to just press and hold. <laughs> yeah, just that it existed. Um, okay. So we we had that uh, ready to go. So we're driving down Page Mill Road, which is the main road which bisects Deer Creek Road, where Tesla's headquarters is is on Deer Creek. So we're driving down Page Mill Road. It's about two thirty three p.m. Pacific time. I hit the stop sign or the stoplight to turn left onto Deer Creek Road. We're just sort of jamming out, getting ready, getting excited. Hopefully, we'll see one. And then, as the light is red, I see. 
a, a, what I think is a Model S coming from Deer Creek uh, towards us. And then I see there's another Model S behind it. I'm like, oh, God, that's weird. And then I notice the front one is blue, and it looks a little bit different. And then my light goes green to turn left. And, this, and the Model S, which now actually is a Model 3, is right there, stopped, waiting to turn left as well. So I'm turning left, right passing in front of the, mod, the Model 3. And I'm, I'm like, start taking photos, start taking photos, it's time. And, she, and my girlfriend was like, what? She was playing with the photo mode, video mode, we weren't sure what we were going to do. Code she, red, code red. She thought it was, she thought it was a Model S2. So she starts taking photos and, and I try and drive slowly. I check my rear view mirror to see if anyone's behind me so I can try and go as slowly as possible. And so I'm mere inches from it because I'm, you know, I'm passing its driver's side and she's leaning over towards me as much as possible to start taking photos. And I'm just looking, I can't do anything at this point. I mean, I see she's taking photos out of the corner of my eye, but I'm just trying to take it all in and look at it. And I make eye contact with the Tesla driver <laughs> and he smirks at me and I'm thinking, and maybe I should give him a thumbs up. But then he looks at me and he can tell we're taking photos. And in some of the photos, you can see his face is not not plussed yeah. uh, that I'm taking photos of this thing. He noticed. He definitely noticed. And then I try and drive by as slowly as possible to give us as much time. But there's no way I can I can do anything at this point because it's right there. I can't stop. I'm in a turning lane. There's someone coming behind me. And luckily we were somewhat prepared, but we weren't completely prepared because I thought we would maybe see it exiting or entering uh, the headquarters. I wasn't prepared for it to be coming at us. And so then it's taking a left and I pass by. I'm like, oh, God, I got to try and chase this thing. So uh, I look for a cutout and then I pull over into the cutout, make sure there's no one coming either direction. And I say, hold on. And I do as much of a turn and acceleration as I've ever done on a, on a legal, like a street road. The <laughs> wheels are peeling and making screeching sounds. It's amazing. It's fun. I feel like I'm in hot pursuit mode. And then I go and I'm getting real close. And then the left turn signal by that time is now red. And I just see it drive off underneath the highway of 280. So we then have to make a decision. Do we get on the highway and f try and follow it on the highway down to Los Altos, or do we take the back roads? And at this point, most of the photos that had been shot were of it on, on surface streets. So we take the gamble and we go on surface streets, and we don't see it. We don't find it. So then we go back to headquarters, and I'm like, well, okay, at some point it has to come home. This thing has to come back to headquarters. So we park in the, in the parking lot across the street and I must've waited there for probably 30, 45 minutes <laughs> and there's a crosswalk. So my plan was I was going to just make sure I was in the middle of the crosswalk, ready to take photos right in front of it and stop it from turning in. Uh, and then later on we realized that it actually had gone on the highway and they were doing highway testing. Um, and so it could have been, you know, upwards of three hours before it came back. So we left after probably about 45 minutes or an hour. Uh, and I was just sort of cold, just sort of pacing back and forth outside the <laughs> headquarters. Um, but anyways, then we get back in the car and, and I take a look at the photos. And I'm like, oh, we only got three photos. Okay, well, that's still pretty cool. I got something so we can post them. And then I realized they were burst mode. So then I look at the burst mode and we got some pretty good photos. So then on the way home, I tweet out, got some photos, trying to make sure people know that something fun's going to happen. And I got home <laughs> and as quickly as possible, edited out some you know fingers and stuff from them uh, and threw them up on the website and tweeted them out. And... Uh, 
needless to say, we've gotten the most traffic ever by many orders of magnitude to the site <laughs> uh, looking at these photos. So it's been pretty cool um, because they were just really crisp. They just turned out pretty good. Um, really, really good front. And what ended up happening, too, is that the photos we got were of the uh, the blue Model 3, which is really striking um, in person. And also the headlights now are real. Uh, all the previous ones had these sort of really dingy, non-production headlights inside of them. And so I got to see the new LED uh, headlights, which are, are quite different than the Model S, um, and they were really nice looking. Got to see the front, um, got to see all the all the shapes of the side. Looked as hard inside as I could. I could see the big center screen. I couldn't see any of the UI because um, I was driving. I couldn't turn backwards to try and look in. But you could have uh, just kind of turned your car a little too much and clipped it, and then you'd have to stop and like, fill out an accident report, and then you could take a bunch of photos and get some really good. Uh... Really good shots. Oh, man. I really didn't even think about that, and that would have been some good calculus. I think some people might have uh, been willing to do a GoFundMe to pay for that um, <laughs> copay if I had uh, claimed that. But um, Yeah, because you could have switched your uh, iPhone 7 into 4K video mode and really yeah. gotten some good footage. Oh, man. But uh, Next time. Yeah, next time. It was sporting the uh, the wheels we saw at uh, in a lot of the press shot shots, the new the new wheels. Um, I think people have seen those, but they looked really good. Um, but yeah, overall, it just looked really great. Um, it, we thought it was a Model S. I mean, both of us thought it was a Model S. So for whatever it's worth, from uh, a couple, you know, 50, 60, 70 feet away, turning left in a big intersection with no other cars, uh, thought it was a Model S. Um, and so it didn't feel really small up front, up close. The proportions looked really solid uh, for the few seconds I saw it. So I'm certainly uh, didn't have much time with it. You know, looking at the photos myself was actually more illuminating than my memory of it, um, <laughs> since I was just sort of in panic mode, like hoping we got some photos of it. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was just, it was very fun, got really lucky. Um, it was exactly what we were trying to do. And uh, I just sort of have this secret. Uh, hope or expectation that the guy guy who got photographed probably some of his co-workers took those photos and blew them up uh, and probably posted them in the break room uh, <laughs> like uh, you got spotted dude caught um, on paparazzi is there some sort of like internal uh paparazzi channel some that's sort? what i'm betting i'm yeah. betting there must be something like that but uh yeah what did you what did you think of the of the photos seeing seeing some somewhat in the in the sheet metal photos yeah, I thought it looked good. Um, I thought the, yeah, it seems like the, from the side, it's really hard to tell it apart from, from the new Model S's. Mm -hmm. It was interesting that it was an older Model S behind it that still had the kind of fake grill on the front. Yeah, that nose cone. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, it seems like the, the most obvious way to tell them apart seems to be that the front, like the nose is different in that the Model S, the new Model S nose has like the chrome T cut out in it. And this one was completely smooth and had like the T up on the, on the, on the bonnet. bonnet. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it looked good. I thought it, it definitely looked a little, uh, I don't know if I want to say sleeker, uh, but yeah, it's definitely different than the original version that had the kind of higher angled nose, I guess. I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not even sure how to, how to describe, uh, what I'm trying to say, but, um, 
yeah, it just looks slightly different than the uh, version that that came out during the big reveal, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's still debate going on, but having seen it and the f- couple photos I got of it, the the nose definitely seems like it's slanted downwards now. It is the- really hard to see though because it's so shiny and reflective. Like for, at first, I thought there was some sort of like chrome or or like camouflage or test equipment on it, but it was actually just the reflection of the road coming up. Yeah, because yeah, there's a left turn painted on the on the ground, and then there's a little dot in the photo, uh, and apparently that's where the tow hook would go if you're being towed. But apparently mm-hmm. they just didn't have the little plastic filler um, in there for when some crazy paparazzi guy drives him into a ditch. You, yeah, something like that. <laughs> they'll be able to pull that out. Yeah, um, and yeah, but it does look to, to my eye at least that it's angled downwards now. Where if you look at some of the pre-release photos, it was more uh, more vertical the grill and uh, and didn't angle down as as quickly. Um, so to my eye, it definitely has massive uh, echoes of of Porsches uh 911 and the and the Panamera uh the front and and the other cool thing was seeing the the LED lights in person they're extremely bright sort of like the uh, Audis the new Audi sort of halo where it's got the daytime running lights mm-hmm. you could see them and you could see the the illumination was cool and then the turn signal uh flashing down in the bottom section uh which is part of the same headlight so I really like the headlights in person um, and the blue. I would never have imagined wanting a blue car. Um, no offense to anyone who has a blue car. I just never thought of it as a color for me. <laughs> but seeing it in person, I was like, that is a really sharp looking color. And uh, I don't know if it's just because it was sort of my first Model 3. But anyways, was uh, it a, was it a metallic blue? Like, did it have like that kind of shimmery metallic paint or, or was it more of a solid color? Yeah, I think it's a bit uh, metallic. And I and I know they offer this blue. Um, I think that's the same blue they're offering on the Model S, but on the slightly smaller car, uh, for whatever reason, it definitely looked really good. And it was just a really sunny day and it was obviously super clean. Um, so it looked good. Uh, yeah, the chase car behind it looked quite antiquated with the, the nose cone and just didn't look as, uh, as sharp and put together. The other thing I'd say too, is the back, uh, the back quarter of it really reminds me of the model X. Um, obviously it's much lower and not as high, but the back quarter definitely has very model Xy because they want to make sure that you can get as much headroom in the back. So it sort of slants, slants down more like a hatchback. Uh, or sort of a crossover in the back. So just a really interesting proportions, um, but it didn't feel awkward or weird in any way. Um, or, and it didn't look or seem small. Um, I think I was concerned at some point that maybe it's going to look really small, but I really think people are going to have a hard time telling it apart from a Model S. Um, and I think there'll be a lot of people who say they saw a Model 3 and it's actually a Model S. Um, well, the, the Model S is a, is a huge car. I mean, anything smaller than that is can still be a pretty big vehicle like yeah exactly we were were thinking about a model s and i actually went through and had to measure our garage and it would barely fit in Mm -hmm. we don't have a huge garage but i mean it's to the point where they would be uncomfortably snug to even just fit a model s in our garage yeah so it's gonna be uh probably about the same size as its competitors and um so one of the things i thought we could talk about tonight uh was sort of how it stacks up and what the competitive set is for the model three um so before we uh before we do that as yeah. as, as sort of a, a capstone here how does the does actually having a model three sighting affect your reservation like are you 
are you more excited now? Are you extremely more excited? Do you, you know, are you wishing you could have one immediately? Did you change the colors that you might want? Like, how did this affect you as a reservation holder? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so afterwards, I was extremely, uh, extremely excited and giddy because a I had seen one, and so obviously I'd seen photos and all that, but seeing it in person transformed it into being a real thing. Knowing that those two Tesla employees are driving around the Model Three, and it's pretty close to being what I will potentially be able to drive, and many of our listeners will be able to drive drove home that this is a real thing and that uh very soon ish i'm gonna be able to have that and drive that it made me more excited for sure um i really liked the way it looked and sort of the way it looked on the road so i was very excited about all the physical dimensions of it like there was nothing about it was like oh that looks worse than i was imagining or it's actually looked better than I was expecting it could look. Um, so I'm very happy with imagining that being uh, the next car I have. And not, not just because like, oh, you know, it's a Tesla, great. But because I actually think it looks really, it looked really striking in person. Um, and then color-wise, I'm still really torn. Uh, I have had only black cars before uh i'm contemplating getting it in white i'm contemplating getting it in silver and now the blue is really interesting so i plan to lease it so i don't have to live with it for that long um you know three years is still a fair amount of time but i almost feel like it could be a little bit crazier so i'm still not sure uh it looked like the interior of this one was dark so it wasn't the white interior um, but I'm pretty sure I want to get the white interior. Uh, it also looked like this had the solid roof and not the glass roof. Um, so I'm definitely like now more concretely running through options that I want in my head now <laughs> thinking about it and just realizing like we're in April and at the end of this quarter, the next time we do a quarterly numbers update, they should be in production of the Model 3 to some degree. And they may have sent out the configuration for other people and we'll know what the options are going to be. So. Yeah, it's starting to get very real, and I'm just really excited to see any more photos of it, any more videos of it, and it definitely seems as if they're testing it. I mean, they were busy on Saturday. I mean, there were security guards out there on Saturday. I had never seen security guards there uh, in the few times I'd been by the headquarters on the weekend. So I think they're definitely in high alert uh, and high activity mode um, testing these vehicles. Uh, so, yeah, I'm just really uh, enthused about it and, uh, yeah, sort of feel lucky that we, I live so close and got to, um, go, go check it out. I know a lot of listeners who don't live as close may even be more dedicated than I was and I have camped out overnight, <laughs> but I just couldn't make that fit in, but, um, just feel cool. Got some photos and I'm sure many more people around the Bay area are going to be tuned in and paying attention and if they see it, they'll take photos and videos of it. So as long as people are safe and not being driving and taking photos uh i was not taking the photos i had a passenger who was taking photos so and if you're uh, gonna crash taking photos crash into the model three so that so that yeah that, as as we've discussed you can get some up close uh up close time yeah so are is this going to has this like quenched your thirst or are you still gonna keep running your errands to the uh the distant safeway instead of the close one yeah i think this has quenched my thirst for seeing it 
uh, up close, at least uh, intentionally. So, But there could be more colors to see. Yeah, I, I'm sure there are more colors. I'm, we know there's a black one, and I'm sure they'll test some more. But um, I, I just, here's the thing. If I had been two minutes late getting out of the door or whatever, had gotten a couple red lights, I wouldn't have seen it. And then we would have been waiting around the headquarters for 30 minutes, and I would have thought, oh, they're not testing it. So just got really lucky. So I don't know. I don't want to tempt fate and sort of, I like the idea of ending <laughs> yeah, kind on of a, a high sliding note. doors moment. Yeah. End on a high note and, uh, you know, win with the, with the house's money and, and walk out. Don't press my luck with trying to spot more Excellent. intentionally. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, okay. Yeah. So I guess, uh, kind of before I cut you off, um, you were going to say talking about, uh, competitors and you also mentioned uh having uh black vehicles in the past and i believe you've had a black version of a model 3 competitor so is do you want to start there or do you want to start with more of an overview yeah no so i think so this week as well uh, or in this past week tesla came out with a blog post uh reiterating the fact that the model s is the flagship it will continue to be the flagship vehicle for Tesla and that uh, the Model S will have less range. It will have less features. It will have less performance. And if you're interested in the best Tesla has to offer, uh, you can already get that because you can buy a Model S. And this is sort of an expansion of what Elon had tweeted uh, about a week and a half ago or so uh, and sort of was the impetus for that big tweet storm of, of uh, information about the Model 3. And... I think that, you know, when we talked with Trev from the Model 3 Owners Club, we talked about how, for me at least, it was sort of a bit of a blind spot that people expected the Model 3 to be better uh, than the Model S. And so I thought it'd be uh, potentially useful to talk through some of the cars that we believe, based on what Elon has said and others at Tesla have said, are the benchmark and competitive set for the Model 3 and sort of talk about what kind of volumes they sell in, what sorts of default options they have, what kind of pricing they have, what kind of sizing they have, just to sort of orient everyone into what market the Model 3 is entering um, and what $35,000 gets you for your money in that segment uh, and what sort of the top end of that looks like. So we can at least start to have a better sense of what you might expect for $35,000 or $50,000 or $60,000 if you were to you know, pony up that much for your Model 3. Um, and okay, also, and yeah. We're assuming that the, the Model 3 is going to be more of a lateral comparison and not like the um, the Bolt or maybe even a Prius where it's actually more comparable to cheaper vehicles, but you're paying extra for the drivetrain. So the, the Model 3 is actually going to be more directly comparable to sort of the, the entry-level luxury vehicles. Yeah, so the best indication we have that that's Tesla's intention is that at the reveal a year ago, uh, Elon was on stage and, and said that he they're planning for it to be uh, the, the best car you can get for $35,000. Um, so not only will it be a starting price of $35,000, but it should be the best you could do at that price point. And so uh, if we take that at face value and assume that they're trying to be... Uh, the best in class, the similar way that they've tried to make the Tesla Model S superlative in its class, what would it take to be superlative in the compact uh, luxury sedan market, um, which is what Tesla is going to be competing with here. Um, and even a few days ago, we saw Elon mention as well that uh, 
uh, he is comparing the Model 3, so quoting, Model 3 is like a BMW 3 Series or Audi A4. Um, so in Elon's mind, those are the two cars top of mind when describing the competitive set. So those were the two I wanted to talk about. And, and what you alluded to was I've actually owned a BMW 3 Series, uh, a 2006. So it was used. It wasn't super new or anything when I bought it in 2020 or something so um but yeah i believe they call it pre-owned it was yeah it was price range it was pre-owned but it was probably so old that they couldn't actually certify it so it was just sort of what whatever you get but it it was great (laughs) it was really fun and uh, definitely have some some things to share about that one um as we get to it so that was what i thought we could chat through and I, i wanted to start with a comment or a statement from a guy who runs the bm bmw blog because uh the Model 3 was seen testing with the BMW 3 Series. So some of the earliest spy shots we got last week were of uh, a, a, a Model 3 being uh, driven with a, with a 3 Series and then the driver is switching. So one of the main things that they're doing there is um, uh, trying to benchmark the driving characteristics. And by having the driver switch, then you very quickly can sort of do a taste test, essentially, and see how they feel differently. Um, well, and you're comparing against the ultimate driving machine, so then you can know where you stand. Yeah, and actually, the uh, <laughs> the 3 Series has been sort of the benchmark for the category for, you know, 20 years or so. Um, and it has won, like, car and driver, um, you know, the top 10 list. I think it's won like over 20 times. Um, sorry. Yeah. So it's one car and drivers, 10 best 23 consecutive years in a row. Um, and the cars, the BMW three series has been around since 1975. So a really long, highly acclaimed, uh, at least in the automotive journalist world vehicle. And so it typically is included as sort of the benchmark for the class. Uh, recently it hasn't been as much, um, but, uh, but it definitely is a, a well-respected vehicle. And so Tesla was testing it. And so the BMW blog posted some photos about this. And I, I just wanted to read his one statement from him that I thought was sort of an interesting way to frame this whole conversation. So I'm quoting here from bmwblog.com. Overall, the, the Tesla Model 3 looks exactly like every other Tesla, but I guess that's the point. Its buyers are the sort of tech-oriented folks who don't really care about driving or style and are more interested in the technology under the skin. So keeping its design simple, both inside and out, is probably a smart idea. While it will bother more traditional car people, such as myself, that it looks much like an appliance than anything else, it will certainly appeal to its target audience, which is a new breed of car buyer. So... I felt like that actually summed things up pretty well and also characterized the disdain with which traditional car people view Tesla and also describes sort of a unknowing amount of hurt that's about to happen. <laughs> Just, the, yeah. It's, it's so perfect. It's sound, yeah, that's so much like he, he thinks he's just, or he or she, I'm, I'm assuming he, um, he thinks that he's describing tesla folks but it sounds like he's revealing more about himself than than anything else yeah exactly it's very freud uh sort of a statement (laughs) and uh so 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 just sort of dissecting it the tech-oriented folks who don't care about driving or style so i don't think that's necessarily true of the tesla buyer i do think they're tech-oriented but i don't think they don't care about style um or driving but the type of driving they want to do is not the V8 horsepower, uh, 
throaty engine sound that this guy probably likes but i mean it's it's an even better performance that's the weird right. part it doesn't exactly. make like, why doesn't you can just have a, a speaker installed if he wants to and a subwoofer if he wants to hear car noises right how can you say that the tesla is not a better performing vehicle when it is now the quickest car ever made <laughs> for production so that's interesting and then so keeping its design simple both inside and out is probably a smart idea yes exactly what well, that is like that is true. And the other thing is, it sounds like he doesn't think that it looks interesting in any way. Um, Which, I mean, it, but it's, it, but it's like not, this is nothing like a like leaf or yeah. I3 or anything like that. This looks like very much in the, in the range of a sedan. And so I, I don't know exactly like what the, he's saying there. It's not like BMWs are like extraordinarily like frilly and have all sorts of exactly. weird, they don't, they don't have fins and fairings and other words. <laughs> I'm not sure if fairings was the right thing there, but yeah, tail fins, you know, I mean, stuff. yeah, it's, they're, they're pretty simple vehicles. I mean, it's aerodynamics, right? It's not like there's going to be that much of a, of a range of different things you can do. I mean, there's like the, the Nissan Juke or um, maybe a Cube or, or whatever, but yeah. Yeah, it follows a general body style of this type. And then he, then it going on to saying it looks more like an appliance than anything else. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't think it looks like an appliance. I think it's intended to behave as reliably as an appliance. But that is that's interesting, too. It's just sort of well, lumping in like, as a tech object. And he's not, it's not like he's comparing them to like classic American muscle cars or something. Yeah. Like the, the BMW that I'm assuming they, they love at the BMW blog is... The modern BMWs are, are appliances as well, right? They're completely fitted out yeah, with you computers can't do and yeah, it's not like you're going to do much in there. I mean, you, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, that just seems kind of ridiculous. Anyways, I saw that that post and I I thought um, not to rag on on the the guy who wrote it. I think it just really crystallizes uh, the different point of view. I'd say that the traditional automotive journalists are going to have with this vehicle and why I think it's being underestimated. Um, well, it doesn't the, go vroom, Caleb. Come on. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't go vroom, and I'm excited about that. And I think many people are very excited that it will be quiet. Like, one of the things that many car makers try and do is make their cabin quiet. So if the number one thing you can do to eliminate noise is get rid of the engine— how can that, how could you discount that? Like, I'm sure they are uh, complimenting some of the sound deadening that's been added to like the BMW 5 series. And then here it's like, well, well, you're missing it though. There's no it's, engine. You want it quiet on the inside and noisy on the outside. You want other people to hear it because it's a kind of a peacock thing. Like you have to, yeah, makes you more of a man if you have a car that has a loud noise that other people can hear. Also works for big trucks too. Mm-hmm. So, so I thought that was sort of interesting way to start. So Jumping in, this All is right. this is a very full category of vehicles. So I tried. I don't think I got a complete list, but there are vehicles such as in this compact car class of compact luxury sedan, the Audi A4, the BMW 3 Series, the Mercedes C300, the Cadillac ATS, the Infiniti Q50, the Volvo S60, the Acura ILX, the Lexus IS, and the Jaguar XE are just some of the cars that all compete in this category. Is it is it Jaguar or Jaguar? I think it depends on how snooty you're feeling. I feel cuz I feel like I've seen television advertisements for Jaguar and they're inconsistent in their own 
commercials as to how they pronounce it. So anyways, it's a side rant, but okay. Yeah, so a lot of vehicles, and I'm sure I missed some. And uh, what's interesting about it is uh, very much like most competitive industries, uh, they have all sort of homogenized. And so we'll get to that. But I wanted to jump through volumes. Was there, was there an American car in there? Did you? Oh, you mentioned Cadillac. The Cadillac, Cadillac okay, ATS. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, so and the Jaguar it. is Ford, if you really look into it. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so volume. So just to orient. So we, we, there is about 90 million cars sold, uh, light trucks and cars and SUVs in the, in the world each year. Um, 17 million in the U.S. And the U.S. for 2016 was flat, like no growth, uh, but 24 million cars sold in China, which was a 17% increase over 2015. So the Chinese market is the largest single market for cars, and it last year grew at 17%, which is quite a large growth rate wow. considering the U.S. has been <laughs> zero to negative percent growth. So that just one thing to really like orient yourself. That's a lot of vehicles. Okay, so. Audi as a brand, how many cars do you think Audi sold? Did you see the notes? I, well, I didn't know. Okay. No, I didn't. Do you have a sense? What's your guess for how many cars Audi sold worldwide last year? Worldwide or in the U.S.? Worldwide. Jeez, oh, I don't know. A uh, hundred thousand? A couple hundred thousand? So Audi sold uh, 1.9 million vehicles oh, wow. worldwide. The A4, the car that the Model 3 is most going to be competing with, sold 335,000 worldwide. So that's a lot of vehicles for yeah. one model that is a luxury, air quotes, vehicle. Okay. And that's about 17% of all of their sales uh, are from this one model, the A4. Okay. Moving on. So BMW, 2.4 million vehicles sold in worldwide in 2016. So interestingly, very similar, 1.9 million versus 2.4 million. And the BMW 3 Series sold 411,000 uh, worldwide. So BMW 3 Series, 411,000, and it's 20% of their sales. So that single model. That's a lot of baby beamers. That's a lot of baby beamers. Uh, and then Mercedes sold 2 million in worldwide 2016. And uh, it also grew 20% in China. Uh, and so they're growing very quickly, uh, about the market average. And the C-Class is huge. The Mercedes C-Class sold 490,000 vehicles worldwide uh, in 2016, which is 25% of Mercedes sales. Wow. So the top three alone sold 1.2 million sports sedans in the category of the Model 3. So 1.2 million sold last year. So this is not a niche category. Uh, this is quite a large category, and that's just three of like 10 that compete in this area. They're the three most popular, but uh, the category is over 2 million a year of this type of car. And do you have any sort of breakdown as to, so Tesla is obviously a different in that they are a new company or, or a young company, and they are also not selling through like a built out network of dealerships. Um, so presumably like their footprint for where they're going to sell vehicles will be limited. So do you have any sense for like, um, I guess if they're starting in the U.S. and Canada, like what's the breakdown for U.S. and Canada where they'll be like initially like directly competing with these vehicles? Yeah. So the U.S. sales are in the couple like the low hundred thousand. Um, so like 80,000 to 100,000. 
uh, vehicles sold in the category for each of those brands. And they have um, in the high hundreds of dealerships and Tesla has like a hundred. So they're definitely outclassed in distribution by almost an order of magnitude. And, uh, and then in terms of production capability, like BMW has 13 or 14 plants uh, that produce those 2 million cars and their largest plant is in, is actually in the U S Spartanburg and they do 400,000 vehicles a year. Um, That's for the X. Though, yeah, they right? do the, they do. Yeah, they exactly. They do the SUVs there. Um, so it certainly would be difficult for Tesla to do 400,000 uh, model threes instantly. I think I just uh, wanted to point out that Tesla's goal is to be doing around a half a million model threes uh, by 2020. And so that would entail them stealing probably like, well, 10% from all of these guys and probably more likely 20% from some of the big ones and like less than 10% from the smaller ones. So there's enough volume out there that they could steal 10, 15% from everyone and they would um, not destroy those brands and they might still be sort of just a nuisance. <laughs> but it would be noticed, but, it, but it's not, they don't have to kill one of these other vehicles, I think was a, is a big point. There's so much volume in this segment that even if they do 10%, if they hurt each of these brands, 10%. So one in 10 of those buyers decide to buy a model three instead of an A4 or BMW three series or, you know, Lexus IS or Mercedes C250, then Tesla would be a major player. Um, so, so that was sort of interesting to me was just how big the category was that they don't need 50 or 60% market share, even if they got 10% market share, 15% market share, they could have a really meaningful, uh, amount of volume of the model three and it could be absorbed. Uh, it doesn't have to be a, a radical shift for them to meet the targets they want from at least like a demand side. Interesting. Um, it's also interesting that, I mean, I guess the in a sort of standard sort of business you you would expect that if someone is coming in and trying to steal like if you're one of the incumbents and someone's coming in and trying to steal some of your uh market share you could or drink some of your milkshake uh you could just uh like kind of lower your costs and mm -hmm. and try and squeeze them out and you know just take a hit on your margins but because this is getting into like luxury goods there's almost like a, a floor on how low they would probably want to go because otherwise then you start competing with the Honda Accords and Toyota Camrys of the world. So it's it's an interesting market in that the, this, the prices are probably not as flexible as they would be somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. And, and also this is a worldwide market. I mean, these cars uh, are selling everywhere. So, you know, North America is what, about 20%. China's about 25%. Europe is about 15, 20%. And while these cars are small, relative to U.S. standards, they're actually relatively large uh, in Europe. And so it's, it's sort of the largest luxury car that most people in Europe um, would, would want. Uh, and so Tesla will do quite well there. Um, and then one of the, the big things, obviously, is in China, they have a huge push for uh, EVs. And uh, this is going to be a pretty affordable vehicle for, uh, for China. And China actually loves American branded vehicles. Uh, Actually, what's interesting is I recently learned that Buick is actually one of the most popular luxury cars <laughs> in China. And uh, one of the main reasons they're keeping Buick around is because China sales are, are driving that brand. 
Um, so just sort of interesting. And Does, Hong Kong, the Hong Kong supercharger is one of the most popular superchargers in the world in terms of usage. Yeah, I was just going to ask, what's the supercharger network look like in China? They've started expanding it, uh, and they've finally started getting sales turned around. But yeah, they, they have um, superchargers in, in some of the major cities, but obviously they're going to need a lot, a lot more. Um, but uh, yeah, so some of those superchargers in China are already some of the most popular in the world and you know, beating many of the California ones. So just to give you a sense of how dense it already is, um, California is one of the densest markets. For Teslas, and now Hong Kong is also uh, challenging Tesla or challenging California's supremacy for uh, so it's supercharging. Kind of a, it's a both sides of the Pacific. It's a, yeah. it's a Pacific market, I guess. Yes, it is. So um, digging in to each. So I wanted to dig in the three of the vehicles, and then we'll dig into one more deeply. But so I did some more research on the three series from DMW, uh, the Audi A4, and the Mercedes C300. So. Um, to give a sense of what are some of the general stats for those vehicles. So uh, the three series, as I was mentioning, came out in 1975. One thing that's interesting is that, so cars typically have uh, a five to seven year time frame for chassis platform design. And then they get every year, they get tiny little refreshes, um, some new interior items, some adjustments on some body panels. But generally, it's the same sort of chassis structure. So right now, the BMW 3 Series is pretty long in the tooth. It's got around uh, five years on this platform. But the new one's coming out in 2018. So Is this uh, the, like, the E number, like an E45, E46? Is that yeah, the, so, yeah okay. so now it's on the F30, and the next one's going to be a G. They're, they're moving out of the Fs anyways, oh, okay. sort of minutia for the car geeks. Um, <laughs> they always seem to get bigger, too, I've noticed. Like year over year, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and then they'll introduce a new model below it. But anyways. Yeah, so actually I was thinking about that, and one of the things— um, I didn't Not really just BMW, like all car companies seem to yeah, do this. Yeah, and it— you, I figured out why. So obviously, so what happens is someone makes their trunk a little bit bigger and they now have the ability in their ad to say, we have a class leading trunk size or we have class leading legroom. And then the next year or the next platform, everyone wants to be that size so they can say, we're now the leader. So over time, the car is in their effort to be the superlative best in some axes like physical dimension they now are pushing the average higher over time and so that each of the model years gets bigger and bigger and bigger because they're all trying to beat each other in headroom or legroom each successive year to try and get that incremental buyer to go to them because they're all so competitive and so yeah they just all grow that's interesting i always thought i thought of it in a different way i i kind of assumed that they people have a strong brand affinity like i've always bought a corolla so i'm going to get a corolla but people's needs expand as they get older and they want like more space or more luxury and so i always assumed it was to keep the the someone who always buys a corolla buying a corolla is that you're kind of inching it up over time instead of like graduating them to the next level. I, I have no reason for that. That's just kind of always what I've assumed. Yeah, I was just looking at a lot of the ads and seeing how much they tout their dimensions and how big they are relative to their competitors. Uh -huh. And that that just seemed to naturally lead to this problem where each year you're going to have to make your car a little bit bigger than an inch longer wheelbase or an inch wider. And at some point you now start forcing... You just create this negative space where, yeah, the BMW 3 Series now is bigger than the BMW 5 Series was 10 or 15 years ago. 
And so now they introduce the one series, and then they play this whole game again. There's a the two one series now, too. Right? I've seen some twos around two yeah. series. So they have a one, a two, a three, a four, a five, six, a seven, and an eight. So almost all of them have the complete panoply of options um, <laughs> because they've just subdivided. It's basically like Android phones, where in every quarter-inch dimension <laughs> you want, you can get a vehicle. And you know, from from a door, like a portfolio approach, it makes sense. But from a customer uh, understanding which vehicle they should get, it's definitely pretty challenging. So, yeah. So the three series has a base price, the 320i, which used to be based on its size engine, but now because of efficiency, it makes no sense. They have much smaller engines than 3.2 liter. But anyways, so the base Wait, price. I thought, I thought it was a, so like a 320 would be a 2.0. So it's like three, and then the, the next two numbers were the engine size so yeah it used to be like that but now so at least at the bmw base one it is it's a two liter four cylinder turbo but some of the bigger ones don't match Uh, like on the five series they don't match so they've sort of broken that it it's making the automotive press really angry but that was like the one little bit of car trivia that i knew yeah it's it's now it's useless well it's all the epa ratings they just have to do with smaller (sighs) and smaller engines um so it's thirty four thousand bucks uh for the base model bmw3 and we know that the model 3 is intended to come out at thirty-five thousand. so not a shock that uh tesla is going to be pricing it at thirty-five thousand. so that's interesting the audi a4 is thirty-five thousand dollars eight hundred dollars thirty-five thousand eight fifty base price and the mercedes c-class starts at thirty-nine thousand. so mercedes is always a little bit more premium a little more expensive so thirty-nine thousand. so the, they introduced a, a lower level one too didn't they like a cla they have or something C, yeah they have the cla that's um, like a is, sub c yeah so that's like thirty thousand dollars and that's been a new category just a little sidebar um, and now the Audi has the A3 in that category. And yeah, the BMW 1 and 2 series are trying to compete with that as well. Because it sort of shook it up a little bit that breaking the twenty, that breaking the $30,000 mark in the luxury brands was sort of, a, a, I don't know, a lower glass ceiling or something that no one had, <laughs> no one had tried to break before. Um, I don't like the look of the CLA. I don't like it at all. It is in case very, anyone's wondering. It is very swoopy. It's very cool. Whereas I, I like the A3 quite a bit. We actually consider getting one. Yeah, I sat in an A3 today, actually. So I went to an Audi dealership today for the podcast to uh, sit in the vehicle a little bit and get a sense for what they were like inside. Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll get to my thoughts when we talk about the A4 a little bit more. So <laughs> Sorry. It's all right. So the A4, 35000 Mercedes C-Class, 39000 So pretty similar base price starting points. Um, so the Model 3 will slot perfectly in that starting sticker price so buyers of these vehicles shouldn't have any major sticker shock or challenges with the base price so that's that's pretty good then we get into physical dimensions so how big are these vehicles um and i don't usually think of things like above 14 15 16 inches in inches but anyways cars are measured in inches so the bmw 3 series (laughs) is 182.5 inches long the a4 is 186 inches and the Mercedes is 184. So 184, 186, 182. So to the to me not being an automotive journalist, those are all remarkably the, the same. Yeah. Like and, and so then then you go to wheelbase. Wheelbase BMW 110, A4 111, Mercedes 111.8. So 
And wheelbase is the distance between the front wheels and the back wheels. Yeah, the front axle and the back axle. Yeah. Okay, and then tread is the distance between the two front wheels. Yep. Like, so okay. the so the width the BMW is seventy one inches. The Audi A four is seventy two inches, and the Mercedes is seventy one inches. Point three. So the the Mercedes and the BMW are exactly the same width. Exactly down to the tenth of an inch. So <laughs> that either means their engineers are so divinely inspired that those are the perfect sizes for this car, and they just happen to, to strike onto the exact same size, or someone decided we are going to make our car the same size as X, and X is some other brand's vehicle, and they measured it and they figured out that's how big it should be. I was kind of shocked, actually, when I realized how similar all these vehicles are in their dimensions. Because as much as we rail in the tech world on people copying, this brings it to a whole nother level to make a physical object exactly the same size as your competitor. <laughs> like, what are you, how... It's just like you are basically exactly the same. Really, I don't know. Does that seem <laughs> well, weird to you? I well, was yeah, just like really struck how how like to the tenth of an inch some of the guys are to to each other is is remarkable. Yeah, it is, and it's not like there's any sort of external value to it where you might like be able to get the same. I don't know front bra for your car or something because you know it's just the yeah. The there's, three no, class. there's no standard that's forcing them into this except for the general like class that they're trying to compete in but this this isn't some naturally given size this is just what these car companies have made and have all homogenized on the exact same dimensions because they're competing and and how like vicious the competition is that they all are making themselves exactly the same size they're saying we're a teeny bit bigger a little bit longer wheelbase so they all drive the same they all handle the same they all fit the same number of people and feel about the same inside it's just very same. <laughs> Tell that to the BMW blog guy. Uh, so, exactly. So, uh, leg room, rear leg room, which was the one I'm most curious about. Front seats always have plenty of room. It's not usually a problem, but rear leg room is always interesting. So, yeah, the three series used to be terrible for the back room. Yeah. So, the rear leg room in the BMW is 35 inches. Uh, Audi A4 is 35.7, and the Mercedes is 35.2. So, they're all within half an inch of each other. So, no difference effectively rear headroom 37.7 for the bmw 37.4 for the a4 and the mercedes 37.1 so again all within point uh six inches half an inch for head rear headroom and do you have numbers for the model three on these or we don't have for the model three but i have for the model s so the rear headroom in the model s is actually worse it's 35 inches so two inches worse so the Model S is not great for rear headroom, and rear legroom is comparable at 35.4 inches. Hmm. I've actually found the rear of the Model S to be pretty comfortable. Yeah, so I think what happens is the front seats of the Model S actually have more legroom because the, the interior cockpit's a little bit bigger. So if they slide it forward, they can give you more legroom. Uh, but the way they have to do it in the standard measurement uh, doesn't allow them to slide them all the way, you know, slide them forward to some degree. I think it's something like they have to be mid-track or there's some rule about how this gets measured. And I didn't go into the laws and regulations <laughs> on that. But um, it's not, a, not all that interesting. OK. So, OK. So then zero to 60 times. So BMW 3 Series base model perform, you know, the, the, the ultimate driving machine, 7.1 seconds. The Model 3 is, start, is targeted to be sub-6, so that's interesting. Uh, 
the A4 was 7.1 seconds as well. That's exactly the same as the 3 Series. <laughs> and the Mercedes, uh, even though, because it starts, it's a little more expensive, uh, was 6.1, 0 to 60. So a second faster. Um, and they all have exactly the same engine size, two liter turbo four cylinders, all three of them. So I would just sort of say that the 3 Series, A4, and Mercedes C300 are all from external sort of running it by the numbers, extremely similar vehicles uh, to the point where there are, you know, you'd have to get the ruler out or the calipers out to tell the difference in their <laughs> physicality and their performance. Uh, the Model 3 is slated to be faster, quicker, 0 to 60 than all of them in the base model. So that, I think, bodes well for the Model 3. Do, um, they, do they break down, is, is 0 to 60 the... Uh, shortest interval uh that they break down because yeah I, I would really love to see like a zero to 35 or zero to 40 time because I, I guess i i have i mean we'll save this for another episode but i've been driving or i drove an e-golf around recently and much mm. like the bolt the zero to 35 time is amazing because it's you know the electric vehicle the torque uh much much better than uh, uh than conventional uh, petrol engine petrol engines yeah so uh anyways i I just think that's a tesla might want to start focusing on i mean i guess if no one else is doing the measurement but as far as like real world scenarios like starting from a red light and getting up to normal road speed yeah exactly yeah that's actually probably more interesting than zero to 60 where you know how often do you ever go zero to 60 yeah so a couple things there because all of these have turbos they all have some turbo lag and because they all have gears uh there's going to be lag in in getting those gears going and they're all automatic transmissions uh default you can get manual on the bmw i think um and one of the complaints for the dual clutch on the a4 at least is that it has some lag in the lower gears um so it's not as punchy off the line this is from the automotive press that i was digging into uh reading some of the reviews for these different vehicles so yeah i think you're right i think if even if you were to get into the base model 3 versus the base model a4 uh it's going to feel punchier to people um even though it's going to be heavier uh, because yeah, that zero to 30, I mean, even the bolt, which I think was like seven and a half seconds uh, felt better than most cars I've ever driven from an yeah, acceleration point. Incredibly of view. peppy. Yeah. So that's all really good. One thing that does they, their big advantage uh, is the Mercedes has 442 miles of range. So it has a 15.8 gallon tank and it gets around 28 blended. So the thing that obviously is still going to be a big ding is 450-ish miles of range for all these vehicles versus 215-ish for the Model 3. Right. I mean, well, that's going to be the, the not only is it twice as much range, but also the, the refill time is like, you know, 10 minutes instead of hours. So, yeah. Yeah. So that that is definitely going to be, from a stats point of view, one of the biggest differences between these vehicles um, from a, you know, just speeds and feeds kind of situation. <laughs> so I am definitely curious what, how, how that gets pitched in the general automotive press, because I think people who um, are looking at these vehicles, that is going to be a concern and it would have never been on their radar before. So I think it's definitely going to be something that the traditional automotive brands are going to use against Tesla. 
it's probably their strongest weapon Definitely. Um, to dissuade people from buying uh, a Model 3 will be, well, do you want to be waiting to fill up your car? <laughs> That's pretty terrible. You can't really go wherever you want. You could go yeah, two times as far in our car. They call it range anxiety, not range bliss. Yeah, so I think that's going to be interesting, but I was I was really surprised to see that the Model 3 even at the base price should beat the performance of any of these vehicles and um even if you were to try and get to like a faster 0 to 60 on the BMW for like 5.5 seconds, so shaving about a second and a half off of that time is $5,000 more. So, you know, you could with depending on what the performance modes are are priced at, I would expect that Tesla will have an option that is in the five to ten thousand dollar range that should get you to probably sub five seconds, and uh, and be able to beat you know a higher spec BMW three series. So, moving on, what do you get for your money at thirty five thousand dollars? So I dug into the three series, which is sort of the benchmark, and I was shocked shocked i say at how little you get in a base bmw so let me just enumerate some of the things you don't get at the base price you do not get a pass through for skis you do not get a you do not get 60 40 split you do not get power seats i'll just reiterate that you have to manually move your seats in this thirty five thousand dollar car no no memory no movement that's going to help your zero to 60 time though with the lighter weight that would be a very, very nice way to uh, position that lack of uh, feature. No heated seats, uh, no rear parking aid, no backup camera, no mirror, uh, no memory for your mirror, no auto dimming rear view mirror, no navigation, no backup camera. No. Wait, I, thought, I thought backup cameras were mandatory now. Not yet. 2018, I believe. Ah, okay. They've got another year to pay, make you pay. Uh, <laughs> no universal garage door opener, no remote trunk, no sun or moon roof, and no active suspension. So that's just a, a summary of some of the items you do not get included. So, and it's a four-star crash test uh, rated vehicle. Tesla wants to hit five-star for the Model 3. So I don't know. I, I was not... Ex- oh, also, it's fake leather. It's not real leather um, at the $35,000 price. So that is um, quite, quite a, a, a limited palette of options for free uh, on the 3 Series at the $34,500 base price. So. I wonder how many they actually sell at that base price or if that's just the get you in the door price and then you start layering on all the packages and options on top of that. Yeah, so I'm guessing not many um, because, yeah, I don't think many people even spending that much, like, you know, 300 plus a month lease payment or whatever, want to not have power seats at this day and age. I mean, even even like Honda Accords and things have power seats at, at much lower price point. So, I mean, I guess if you're the only driver, it's not a big deal. But if you if you share it with people between people with different, very different heights, then yeah, it's a, it's an issue. So then I dug into how much it costs to option this thing to the hilt. Like, what if you ch- check every box? How much does it cost, and what are those boxes, and how does that compare to what Tesla currently does? So, uh, you get black or white paint for free. Tesla used to do that, but now they only offer black for free. Then they have nine optional metallic colors for $700. Tesla charges $1,000 to $1,500 for paint currently. Uh, and also, I'll preface this by saying uh, Elon has said that the options for Model 3 will be less expensive than the Model S. But So this is sort of the upper bound. Um, they should all be less than this, but it gives you a, a, a sense. So, you know, 30% cheaper for the BMW paint, but still 700 bucks. 
They have uh, two beige, black, beige or black fake leather options that are free. If you want to get real leather, it's fifteen hundred bucks, and they have three trim options that are five hundred bucks. Tesla charges thirty three hundred dollars for leather and the trim, so it's about two thirds the price at BMW for on the three series for real leather and walnut if you want so yeah probably looking at two grand for leather or their like high-end uh white vegan leather from tesla cold weather eight hundred dollars from bmw tesla is a thousand bucks the premium package is thirty one hundred dollars tesla's is thirty five hundred driving assist is 950 tesla doesn't have an equivalent 700 dollars for lighting if you want to get led headlights instead of xenon uh, they have a sport package that's $1,300. It gives uh, you one-inch larger rims, sport seats, and an M steering wheel. Uh, and Tesla has two-inch bigger wheels for $3,500. Uh, navigation's $2,000. Split seats, like the 60-40 split, $450. Moonroof is $1,000. Apple CarPlay is $300. And floor mats are $150. A bargain. <laughs> Some things never change. Uh, all of those options, fully optioned up base engine, base engine goes from 34,400 bucks to 49,788. So $15,000 in options. If you check pretty much all the boxes, um, where, do, where does the five start? The five series. Yeah. Uh, like, the, are you starting to brush up against that or is oh, it yeah. sufficiently yeah. distant? The, the five series, I believe starts at like 45,000. And, and then if you get the best engine in the three series before you go to the sport edition, this is just like the 340i X drive. So all wheel drive as well. Fully options is 63,000. So I would 63, say 63,000 for a three series. Yeah. This is not, not the M3, not the M3. This is still sort of a semi base one. I mean, I added all the sport type options, but it's not the full M package, which is their like sport thing. So I wouldn't be surprised if the three series from, or the, the model three gets, you know, pushes 60 if, uh, because the model S now is going to be based sort of in the seventies. So if you're getting the fully ludicrous out, all the options checked, (laughs) special paint it's definitely possible you could be pushing 60 grand so i would just caution people to be prepared that even bmw currently has options that are less expensive than tesla so if tesla were to reduce their prices they might be at the same price as bmw which to many people seem very expensive as options but um you know 49,000 fully optioned i don't think i would have checked all those boxes on my own car but um I would just say, like, people should, you should be prepared that $35,000 will still be a good car, but that many of the cars they're going to be comparing to at the base price are really stripped down. And so for Tesla to beat those um, won't necessarily be that hard um, because they don't have that many options. Uh, so I don't know. I guess just sort of a public service announcement, like, be prepared. I mean, Tesla and, and Elon already expect the average selling price will be around 42000 So that means that there have to be prices above 42000 for that to be the average. Um, and yeah, just that if you take a look at Audi or BMW 3 Series or A4, I think you'll have a pretty good sense of the sort of pricing you might expect for these sorts of options. So if you make that car similar to what you'd want, you'll probably end up in a similar price point to what you'd end up paying for a for a model three. So yeah, that would be my 
There's uh, no advice. such thing as a free lunch or a base model car. Yeah, I think it, it's sort of a it's a, a nice nice sticker price, nice advertising system, but um, I think it's very rare for anyone to do that. Now, many people will get the tax break, the tax um, uh, incentive, uh, at least in the U.S. So that's seventy five hundred dollars for for some of the early folks. So that's useful. Um, you can and either some states go higher than that too, right? Like California will tack another. 2500 2500 okay. Yeah, so, you know, depending on your state, um, you can either pocket that money and get the exact same vehicle, or I think many people will just plow that back into the car. Put that right into a, the floor mats, right? Yeah, get a premium set of floor mats and... Nice you know, herringbone, virgin wool. Yeah, I like, I like the... I definitely like the uh, floor mats that are made of carpet. I don't, I don't like the all-weather. Those don't, those don't suit me. <laughs> well, we're in California. We don't need all-weather. Yeah, exactly. We have one. We weather. don't. We don't actually have weather. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I guess I'm curious which which options do you think if you were specking out a Model Three, like what would be important to you, Mike? Oh man, this is my my least favorite part of buying a vehicle. Like we actually back in we were in the model we were in the market for a car for like 15 years ago, um, and we were looking at the A4 and the 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 three series. And yeah, just the, the option packages are so overwhelming. And then there's like these, there's packages and then there's options. And some of the options are included in packages and some of them are, and some of them can only get unlocked if you have the certain package. And the whole thing is just, it almost seems deliberately confusing so that you have to sit down with one of the salespeople and, you know, no one enjoys that experience. And they're there to help you, Mike. I just wish that, yeah, that, that. Having more of, a, I mean, uh, obviously we're we're a broken record here, but I would love to see more of an Apple approach where there would be like, you know, a couple of tiers and maybe a few options that you can tie on. But really, like it should come as base as good as possible in the base mode, and then maybe you can add a couple of things, and then that's it. Like, yeah, I, I I just wish it was simplified, simplify, simplify, simplify. That's, exactly. That's for me. But what about for you? Well, and actually, really, all I care about is that it drives itself. I don't really care about anything else. Yeah, I totally agree. I feel like um, it's an it's a slippery slope, right? Because you you bundle things into packages, and then people are unhappy that they have to, to sort of in their mind pay extra for things they don't want, and so then you go to this mode. Well, okay, we'll unbundle it and make them all individual options. But then you end up having cars that have weird configs and then are difficult to sell because you chose like red leather and like no options. So it's like a weird vehicle. <laughs> no one wants that. And so actually um, we heard uh, just this week from, uh, from Trev, who was on the show two episodes back, uh, that one of his sources said that Tesla is actually going to go to a more streamlined set of options and packages and that they're going to be pushing people to just pick these sort of pre-bundled options for the Model 3 and that you'll get your car faster if you do uh, versus sort of customizing it. That sounds awesome. So I think that's interesting because, yeah, I would, A, it sort of eliminates some of the anxiety of choosing all these particular options. I think actually it probably helps push the average order price up when people have to pick each individual option because you just sort of drift into higher price points. You just check oh, off. I'm sure it does. If, if, yeah. if that's what the companies are currently doing, I'm sure it drives prices up. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy paying 300, 400 bucks for like CarPlay 
It's like, I would never pay that much just for like a little software feature anywhere. <laughs> like, would you pay $300 for an iPhone app? No, yeah. but you're going to pay $300 on your car. You can't drive around with a 13 speaker car system, sound system. You need the 19 speaker system, right? right. I mean, you, obviously. You, so it's funny. It's like, okay, I'm going to pay $3,000 for premium sound, $2,500 for premium sound. Does anyone have a $2,500 sound system in their home? No. <laughs> they are listening to audio on this little dinky speaker in their kitchen that cost $100, maybe. And now they're spending $3,000 on a concert hall banging Olufsen sound in their car. <laughs> listening to compressed streaming radio. It's like very funny. Um, so I, I'm definitely in your camp of like just... How can I make sure the car drives itself and is as like simplified as possible? That's great. Like that's, that's sort of what I want. And I would prefer just to have a couple options, a couple choices, and it will make me be more careful about picking what I really want. And yeah, just bundle in more stuff to the base price. And I think Tesla coming in, not having a lower end car, not having a mid range car allows them to package it the way they want and really compete because to your point, uh, they don't want to, com BMW doesn't want to compete with the 5 Series. They don't want to cannibalize sales of that uh, by making the 3 too good. And so they are cautious about it. From Tesla's point of view, clearly the Model 3 is going to sell way more than any of the other vehicles. And they want to steal share from other car, car makers. So I really do think they're going to do what they can to make it uh, as, as desirable a vehicle as possible at a given price point. Because they will be fighting, you know, their new brand. They don't have as much cachet from a luxury point of view, but from a tech and desirability point of view, I think a lot of people are going to want it. So, um, yeah, I, I would love to see a simplified option sheet. And I think in terms of size, I, I don't expect miracles in terms of size exteriorly. I bet it's going to be 185 to 187 inches long. <laughs> I expect it will be 110 to 112 inches in wheelbase, and I expect it will be 71 to 73 inches wide. And I would bet probably over a thousand dollars that that's the case because that seems to be the class uh, of this vehicle. Um, and but I do think the interior will be better than these cars from legroom and headroom because uh, you don't have that big engine in front, and so they're going to push the front forward. And in the back, it's all glass, so you don't have a headliner with padding in it uh, taking up space. So you're going to get another half inch probably of headroom. And that's going to be meaningful when these guys are competing on half an inch, plus or minus. So, so we've been comparing this to the the existing entry level uh, luxury vehicles, the the regular vehicles, I guess the the legacy vehicles. Mm -hmm. uh, but these companies, like I mean, especially Mercedes has the B class, and and BMW has the i series, um, the i three, the i eight. Uh, do you think that? these other manufacturers are going to be trying going to be delivering something more comparable to an electric three series or an electric c-class uh or are they just going to keep going with their like distinctly ev uh, approach they all seem to have indicated in their annual reports that they are building electric brands separate from their core brands um bmw has the i brand uh, and Mercedes has uh, the new sort of E, what was it, EQ. Um, and so, yeah, they're all going to keep them separate. Uh, they're setting up billion-dollar-plus investments in R&D. They've got different engineers working on them. 
You think they might be facing a, a bit of a dilemma in the innovator space? I think that could be exactly what's happening here. Um, and yeah, they don't want to cannibalize the, the existing sales. They don't want the brand to change its uh, sort of point of view. And uh, yeah, they, they don't want to upset the Apple cart from a, you know, they're selling 350 to 400,000 of these kind of cars every year. And so those buyers clearly are happy with what they're buying today. And my bet is that they do not believe that the Model 3 will sell anywhere close to that number, anywhere close to that number. And so let's just do our, you know, E and electric mobility type vehicles over on the side. And if the market develops, then people will buy those. I think the fundamental flaw is those cars are not comparable to a 3 Series. They're not trying to compete with their own cars. If they were trying to compete with their own cars, they might sell better. But that's why I didn't include those cars like the Leaf and the i3 and the Bolt in this roundup of competitors because those are not the cars that the people who really are going to be buying and buying in volume are going to be comparing against. The people Tesla wants are people who are buying 3 Series and you know, high-end A4s and all those vehicles, not the bolts. Like, that's an insignificant amount of volume. If if Tesla got everyone who has ever bought a Bolt or an i3 or a, a Leaf, that would be uh, no good. They would be... There would be dozens big, of them. Dozens! Yeah, exactly. They would be in the uh, never-nude kind of club over there <laughs> in the electric world back in the back of the, the showroom. So... That's why I think they have to be benchmarking against these uh, these sorts of vehicles and why it, they're being wildly underestimated because uh, these other brands are like, well, we've got those electric cars. They're going to get good. They're over 100 miles now. We'll, we'll eventually in you know two years have a 200-mile range vehicle, and maybe people will want to buy it. But we've driven the Bolt. It was okay. It's like caveated if you want an electric vehicle, it's the best you can get right now at that price point. But as soon as the Model 3 is like in, available, no way would people buy the Bolt. I mean, the only reason would be packaging. If you really need that extra cargo space and you're just really loyal to GM, would you really want that, I think? so. Yeah, I, I quite like the Bolt. But yeah, I, I think it'll be difficult when it's sitting next to a Model 3. Yeah, so I, I think um, people really should be thinking about people they know or every time they see a BMW 3 Series, uh, count it. When you get to 10, uh, that 10th one, imagine that being a Model 3. And that's, that's what Tesla's <laughs> success case is. So every 10, every nine BMWs you see, imagine one of those being a Model 3. And that is wildly successful for Tesla. All right. So we've got some homework there. We've got, we've got a task. Yes. And I see a buttload of those vehicles around, even more so than Tesla's. So I'm going to count I, them up. Yeah. But I mean, I don't, I don't, extrapolate from what i see here i if 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 what i see here was right the two most popular cars in the country are priuses and, and nissan leafs i see so many nissan leafs around here it's crazy that's true i do not see many f-150s and that's the most popular selling vehicle in the u.s so yeah heard a bubble We're jaded <laughs> all, <laughs> all right. right did you have anything else here uh before we wrap this up uh, those are the main things. And uh, yeah, if any listeners happen to be in Palo Alto and also spotting vehicles, send us the photos or... Maybe you can um, set up a spreadsheet with some times so you can uh, make sure everyone has a shift. Yeah. Get, I mean, get full I, coverage. I still think we should set up trap cameras, but you know, I'm, I'm not winning that one yet. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure our lawyers will support that idea. Uh, well, just like wildlife cameras, just set them up and we'll have them <laughs> snap photos of, of every car that goes by. I think, uh, I think we could do this and we could crowdsource the people to flip through all the photos. 
that we should build a little learning algorithm to track there we go vehicles best ideas always come an hour into the program that is true all right where can people <laughs> uh, share their thoughts on their uh, type of configuration they want or their view on the competitive landscape miguel yeah that sounds great um best place is probably our subreddit uh you can hit us up on reddit.com at r slash the tesla show if you would like to squeeze all of that into a tweet or a tweet storm uh you can reach us on twitter.com our screen name is at the tesla show and if you'd like to go right to our site where you can listen to the podcast and leave comments there you can go to the tesla show.com and the tesla show.com is also where all of caleb's paparazzi photos are indeed i will include them in the show notes if you are listening in a podcatcher uh, there'll be a link in the info for the show notes to podcatcher geez what is this 2006 i didn't want to reveal any particular one so i used the generic term and it's not a great term i'm sorry i don't think that's a gener- the generic term I don't podcast know. it's been a decade app. since i heard that one that's a podcast good one. app all right well we'll maybe we'll all right that sounds good i'm showing my age <laughs> I don't even know. I'm showing my age, too, by forgetting what I was going to say. So, all right. All right. Talk to you later, Mike. We're quite a crew. All right. Bye, Caleb. Bye.